0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnyTime.com. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Project Inspire. And a big thanks to all the organizers here to make an amazing Shabbos for us. And also, of course, Torah Any who are you know the big, the biggest yeshiva in the world. he <laughs> biggest yeshiva in the world, and uh, and they've really uh, they've transformed my life as well um, because you know it's just. It's just amazing what's happened with, with Torah time. And even even today I was like today yeah, today I was hired for six hours. <laughs> six hours with a therapist who wanted me to spend six hours with him. Oh. You know, like they need to process too. So I processed this guy for six hours straight. And believe me, it ain't cheap to take me for six hours straight. You know, and but I did it. Where do you hear of me? Torny time. You know. So it's, uh, I should really be sending mice their way, you know. <laughs> anyway, Baruch Hashem, here we are, and it's also really exciting for me because, because I, Baruch Hashem, in all the years I've I've been training people, you know, I, I run a seminar called The Possible You, and what happened was my amazing graduates of that seminar created this giant Hasidic shabbaton called Shabbos Kevutuni. Shabbos care of Tony, and when I dictate that I'm going to be at Shabbos care of Tony to Siri, she writes care of Tony. (laughs) And you know I'm I'm a little impetuous, so I press send without looking sometimes, and get these texts back saying like, "Who's Tony?" (laughs) Like, have I dedicated an entire Shabbos to take care of someone named Tony? Anyway, um, but in Shabbos care of Tony, you you don't really see women the entire Shabbos, so like it's like we'll see how this goes. Because I'm used to the Asha Torah Shabbatones. And in fact, Shabbos Keratoni, what did they do? The the leaders who were these graduates of the possible you, went to Project Inspire and spied. (laughs) Spied. Project Inspired. And they, I guess that's how East Coasters say Project Inspire anyway. I'm going to Project Inspire. And and they, they came here and spied and created like a Hasidic Shabbaton. And it's literally like like 400 strimals, you know, like on one side, and and uh, well, they all look like you on the other side, basically. A <laughs> couple Williamsburg tickles and stuff. <laughs> all right, let's get started. So what we'd like to do here is make our Shabbos tables like the place to be. You want your you want your kids to be saying like we want to be home for Shabbos. You want you want. When your kids go out for Shabbos, they actually show up back at your house during the main chorus, which has happened to me many times. They come back during the main chorus. I'm like, what are you doing back? And they're like, we were, we were afraid we'd miss something. You know, and, and you want your house to be that way in general. Like you know, People worry about the streets these days. You, know, you don't know what to get out there, so you make sure your house is, like, is where it's at. Your house has to be where it's at. But today we're going to focus more on the Shabbos table being where it's at. And I apologize for some of my more unorthodox practices at the Shabbos table. Um, I'm not saying you should do them. Don't try this at home. But I can just tell you some of the stuff I do, and, and it certainly made my Shabbos table a place that my kids will never forget. So, and, they're, and they're very excited to be at that table every time. So a couple things on Shabbos. So first of all, first of all, when you, when you come home, this is for the husbands, when you come home, it's, you know, I, I don't have to tell you to say good Shabbos to everybody, but you come in with a certain energy. I learned this from an old Jew in Yerushalayim who has 13 kids and there's a Rosh Kolel, you know, is like, there's not even like a 10 shekel piece in that house by the time Shabbos comes in. You know, But of course he's married off 13, all 13, and bought apartments for all of them, which is, you know... <laughs> Incredible siyata Deshmaya. It teaches you. By the way, the, you know what the ticket to Shia- siyata d'shmei is? Ticket siyata d'shmei is when you're so committed to something that you're just not going to let reason stop you. Meaning you're so in that there's no way out. And so how did that work? How does a guy marry off 13 kids and buy them all apartments when there's literally not 10 shekels in the apartment when Shabbos comes in? So the answer is is that. Well, let's look at Americans. When Americans have 1.2 kid, and the .2 kid is like, you know, in his upstairs baby boy blue room, only he's 38 years old with long hair on cannabis, playing video games, literally 20 hours a day. You know, when you have 1.2 kid, you can afford to do this with your children, meaning, you can just let them stay forever. But when you have 13 kids, you need an exit plan. <laughs> you know, it was a wonderful startup. Yeah? But you, you need an exit plan. You know, there's got to be an exit strategy, and their strategy is pure Seattle, obviously. But they get it, and it's a great lesson for all of us, is to go all in. You know, I, I think uh, Charlie O'Reilly once had a great video about, like, burning the bridge back. You know, you got to burn your bridges back. So that there's only forward. And, and so that's, that's a, a nice lesson there. But anyway, when I used to come home with him, because we went to davin every Shabbos, they, they made me, they actually took me in. When I became observant, this family was who took me in. And I became their, I became their Ben Bias. And, and they really took you know, tremendous care of me. And I lived with them, basically. And, and they, they also, um, they made my shidduch with my wife. You know, they, they really did everything for me. I mean, everything. And I'll, I could never repay them in a million years, although their sons think I can. And all 11 of them. You know, but I, Brochshem, I, I try to go to bat for all of them. Any, in any way I can go to bat for them, I do. So, so, anyway, when we get to his house, we get to his door, Leil Shabbos, and he's like, you can just tell he's exhausted. And he's got like nothing left to give, but we're walking into the whole family and it's going to be massive and it's all the collas, you know, it's packed with collas. and, you know, it's just a lot of people and everyone's going to be looking at him to make this Shabbos great. And you know what he would always do? When we got to the door, he would not go in. He would stand outside the door and gentlemen, this is right now we're on a chapter for you. He would stand outside his door and he would just go like this. He would take a deep breath, and then he would walk in there filled with energy and just love everybody and make Shabbos amazing for everybody. It was an amazing Shabbos table, but it was always with that deep breath right before he walked in. So, so I watched this for years, and I finally realized what he was doing. Do you know that deep-sea divers, like the ones who work on like oil tankers, and not oil tankers, oral rigs in the ocean, so they, they have two tanks. They have two tanks on their back because it's not enough one tank when you're down there for a couple hours. See, they have two tanks. And so what I realized, and this is the great hint to all us men, is that you got two tanks. You got one tank. You know what's written on it? Business. And you got another tank that's written on it, love. And it's so often that we can forget that going into the house is a tank that's full. Because we can walk in exhausted from the business. And, you know, people need us in business, especially if you're in a position of power. People are looking to you. People are, relating to, people are um, relying on you. And, and, but home looks like that because people are waiting for you. People are relying on you. But they're relying on you for something else altogether. And you've got it. You've got what they need. And it's not been exhausted at work. And that's a love tank. And you've got a whole tank of love. And so I learned from them that before I get to my door, I don't necessarily stop and pause by the door, but I, but I actually um, actually will, you know, just as I get to those last few feet, I switch tanks. And if I'm really exhausted, I'll stand outside the door, like, just like Borach, uh, just like Raborach, and, and, you know, switch those tanks. By the way, I just, since we're on that family, I just got to tell you real quick, I'll speak fast so it's not like in the way of our subject, but that, that when my parents came to Israel, they, uh, they, the the Rav Rabbeinuch says that he'd like to. He and his wife want to come to meet my parents in the old city. So I'm like, uh-oh. So I just went straight to my father. I said, they want to come meet you. Prepare a checkbook. You know, just have your checkbook on you. And he's like, all right. How much do I give? And I'm like, I don't know, but just have it in your pocket because this is going to be fundraising. So they walk in the door, and. And they, um, he comes outside with all the men on the balcony overlooking the Kotel, and now the 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 Rebotson asked, you know, she wants to speak to my mom, but my mom doesn't speak Hebrew, and the and the Rebotson doesn't speak English, and she asked, could there be, please, some bacharah that you could bring, you know, or any woman that can translate, and so they found a bacharah in the old city. And this Bachorah came to be the translator. And they sit down, and we're with the Rav. And what happens? After about 10 minutes sitting with the Rav, you know what he does? He says, and you're I'm going to daven Mariv. And he gets up, and he leaves. No check. My father's like, nothing. I'm like, what's going on? Meanwhile, the been sitting with my, with my mom for an hour. And this Bachorah translating the whole time. I walked the Rav down to the Kaisam. All that was going on in there was that this Rebitson was a Balanit, a mikvah lady. She was a Balanit. And she's looking at my mom, who's 60, and saying, wait a second, this is like a, an easy home run, man. All I need to do is get her in the mikvah once. And she, that's it. Taharahi. Purified. And she just needs one mikvah. The whole thing was just to get my mom in the mikvah. That's how holy these people are. It was just so amazing that that's all they wanted. But it's perfect for Project Inspire. Just to show, like, these are the hearts of people who, they don't even know what Kiruv is, but they McCarve me like nobody's business. Esh McCarve me to Yiddishkeit, but these, Esh macarved me to become Frum. These people McCarve me to Yiddishkeit. And the only reason I'm standing before you with these babies, you know, is that family. You know, they, they took me in. And it was just like a matter of time, you know, before all that stuff grew out. And, and, uh, but here's the amazing thing. When, the, when I get to the Koisel with the Rav, I had already davened, so I got him to the Koisel. And he looks at me and he says, you know that Bahran there translating for your mom? And I said, yeah. He says, you know, she's your zivug. I'm like, huh? And the Bahra walks the Rebitson down to the number three bus to leave back to Shmua Navi. And she says, you know, Yom Tov? And she's like, kind of? And she's like, he's your Zivug. <laughs> and we, I, I never heard the end of it from them about marrying her. I just never heard the end of it. I mean, they, eventually I just had no choice. <laughs> Every Shabbos meal, I was like, he would somehow segue every single meal to this. It was, it was so funny, and I would just eventually just leave the room and go to a bedroom, and he would find me in there and go on and on about it. Okay, back to the Shabbos table. So we come in. It's exciting. Shabbos, Shabbos, Shabbos. And then what we what we do at our house is we sing a Shabbos song like this. We all get around the table, and we sing, Shabbos, Mume Mumevoirach. Ha la 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 shabisholay mumevoyra ha la 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 mama mama shab 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 sab sab shab sholay Shabbes Shalomim Mumevoyrach, Shabbes Shalomim Mumevoyrach, and then I sing Shalom Aleichem 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 Aleichem, Vimerak Ma'hem Lurimakodosh Boru. But if we have guests, my kids are like, "Don't do that! Please don't do that! Please just sing like Shalom Aleichem 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 Aleichem." So I generally acquiesce and sing that, but I sing it like with the vacas. I do it like this. Anyway, but I'm finished with all that. Then we sing and dance till the next round. Now, what am I really saying, though? I realize I should have introduced this. We can easily forget how spiritual we are. The Jewish people are are so spiritual. You understand? When you walk through Manhattan, you see those like you see those like tattooed, dreadlocked people who are like you know they're just like floating off to outer space in their hippie kind of spirituality and stuff. Yeah, we make them look like Wall Street workaholics. Okay, (laughs) we're 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 keeping Shabbos. I mean, and Shabbos is our holiest day. Your Shabbos table should be super, super slowed down and holy. This is one of the reasons why, and now we'll go straight to Kiddush, why Kiddush is on wine. Kiddush is on wine, not grape juice. Okay? Anyone making Kiddush on grape juice? I mean, unless you're in AA, you have to do tshuva. Yeah? Our sages knew what they were talking about. Shabbos is expanded consciousness working all week is constricted consciousness. Now, we're coming into Shabbos. We probably don't see the spectrum of light Shabbos night because you just had six days of constriction. Hopefully, you had a mikvah. Very good bonding, by the way, to bring your sons to the mikvah. That's also a major passage in Yerushalayim. All the men go to mikvah with their boys. And it's a whole entire like communal naked experience. And also, it's very good, especially if you're, like, the real white bread, like, Long Island guy or something, is to, you know, so your kids aren't so homophobic, you know. Let them grow up being naked with all your neighbors. You know, once a week, Fridays, you go to the mikvah. You should see, in in Yerushalayim, I I see every once in a while, like, every blue moon, I see some, like, you know, white bread, Long Island kid, like, I don't know how he got hoodwinked to go to the mikvah. But, I, I mean, you never sense anyone so uncomfortable with his own body, you know? And that just doesn't exist in Hasidic circles. Certainly doesn't exist in the Litvish circles in Yerushalayim. You know, you're, we're okay with our bodies. You know, that's cool. You know, you you got a body. And, it's, and, there's, and there's nothing more amazing than men's mikvahs, because it zeroes us out. You know, there's no Armani suit in the mikvah, you know? And if, if you're a big rub with a frock... You know, and a nice big hat and everything. And like, everywhere you go, they stand up for you. No one's standing up for you in the mikvah. You know, it, it just, it's the great equalizer. You know, we're all in there together. You know, and it's, it's, uh, but highly suggested that you get a mikvah, Erev Shabbos. And the other thing is that what is a mikvah? A mikvah is when you've been overly engaged in physicality and it has not produced Fruits, yeah? It's an overly physical thing that did not produce fruits. So if you think about it, I'm not going to speak more graphically, but, um, but it's a, a very physical thing, didn't produce fruits, puts us in a state of tuma, we got to go to the mikvah. Well, tell me, is there anything more physical than six days of heavy-duty working. I know in America it's five days, but five days of working your job, probably eight, nine, ten hours a day. Now we have smartphones, you know, full-time's taking on a whole new meaning, working full-time. And so, how are you ever going to get the expanded consciousness of Shabbos? So the answer is, when you've been too involved in creation, you got to go back to the pre-creation. Notice the very first sentence of Barathees. The very first sentence of Genesis Says that God's hovering above the, over the water. Who said anything about water? It hasn't even said that there be light. We haven't gotten to Vayihi or, and it's already talking water. Well, that lets you know that water is pre-creation material. And when you get in that pre-creation material, because you've been overly involved in the post-creation material materialism, you got to get yourself in a mikvah to to. You know, treat it like sulfuric acid to burn off your over-involvement in business that week. And then go into Shabbos. Same thing, Shabbos wine. That kiddush, alayayin, expands your consciousness. It brings you to expanded consciousness. But what happens instead? He drinks a little, you know, a cup of grape juice. And then he pours a little thimble of grape juice to everybody. You know, I I tell the Bachwim at Torah. I tell them, if your host hands you a thimble of grape juice, just hand it back. (laughs) Just hand it back, and he'll look at you, Nah, I'm kidding, because obviously you just heard Bere Prager, you better shoot the shot, but then like, put out your cup towards the bottle of wine. Yeah, And, and don't be a lush, one cup, one cup of wine, anyone who needs more than one cup of wine's got a problem. Yeah, one cup of wine is all you need to expand it. Our sages said do it. Ladies, you'll have to make your own decision how much wine you want to drink. Lela Shabbos. My wife's not a wine drinker. She's not really an alcohol drinker. But, but that's the point is we expand our consciousness. Now, here's the crazy thing that happens at my table. Before the wine kiddish, I lined the table with craft beer. I line the table with craft beer, and in fact, uh, as we speak, my suitcase, you know, here in New York, is filled with four six uh, six four packs, no four four packs of, you know, really some of the best hazy IPAs that the East Coast can produce, handmade craft beer, and they're in my suitcase. They're staying in my suitcase because I fly back with them. Not that Israel doesn't have great beer, but we don't do hazy IPAs. And hazy IPAs, they taste like grapefruit juice. They're just unbelievable drinks. And gentlemen, everyone, ladies too, look for a hazy IPA and you will know what I'm talking about. Tell the guy you want something with a grapefruit type of aroma. And you just won't believe what you drink. So what happens is I line them up on the table and after kiddish, we have a beer course. A full beer course. And of course, my wife's rolling her eyes the whole time. And she's just like, Hefzik, hefzik, which means it's too big a pause between the wine and the, and the uh, washing. Although I asked the posik at Pins Carlin, and he told me 15 minutes is not that big a deal to have a little beer course. And what's really thankful is Hasidim all make their own kiddush. So if we have Hasidim as guests, I have a perfect excuse for a beer course while they're making their kiddush. You know, and then we, we enjoy our beer course. The bottom line is, Shabbos table's fun. Those beer, our beer course goes all the way around the table. Everyone gets a little sip. It's just this much. Everyone's getting this much of each of the beers. We could have, on the average, we probably have four. But there are Shabboses where we'll have eight. So meaning, by the time you're done with all eight, you've drunk a half a beer. So again, there's no one getting drunk here. But we're we're delighting in the taste. And by the way, if you do multiple beers, just let you know, you want to move up in hops with each beer. Because if you drink a beer that's too hoppy at the beginning, you don't taste the others because they really attack your taste buds. So that's the beer course. By the way, I'm not telling anyone to have a beer course. You know, you don't have to have a beer course. The point is, the point is, is that your Shabbos table is holy, and your Shabbos table is fun, holy and fun. Now, um, uh, the next thing is, is that. Is that, you know, you go wash. And washing is whatever. Do your washing. But when you when the balabayas makes hamotzi, it's not fast. It's not fast. The wine has gone in. Slow it on down and say each word very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not the word diligently, but very like go in on each word of hamotzi it should take something like 20 seconds my kids say they've already forgotten what in the world we're doing by the time i say ha aretz yeah like fully concentrated real slow the wines in already slow down your hamotzi big time how many of us right how many of us say brachas all day and paid no attention to the experience it's Chavez now. There's nowhere to go. You do not have an appointment after Shabbos dinner. So this is where you slow it down and you make a hamotzi that counts. We have a special nusach for our brachas in our house. And uh, we just got through on two doing it. Um, you know, it, it takes about a minute. I'm not going to give you the whole minute, but I'll give you the tune. The tune's like this. Oh, one more thing. Uh, ten fingers on the challah. Ten fingers on the chalas, two chalas. You cut the lower one, a little nick. Anyone know why you cut it, a little nick? Once upon a time, breads weren't cooked all the way through. like They weren't evenly baked. And so you would be wasting time to find the best baked part, So, bef- meaning between hamotzi and the eating. So what you do is you first find the spot that you want to cut. Today all breads are baked right, but nevertheless we still make our cut. And uh, during the weekday, you make the cut most of the way through, but not so far that the other side would fall. And on Shabbos, in honor of that cut, you just give it a little nick because you've got to have two full challahs. You cut the lower challah first. You nick the lower challah, and then, and then you cover it. And then you put, the, you put that lower challah underneath and the upper challah above. And you stare at your wife while you say birshus to everybody, because the lower challah is a remis to her Shabbos night. Not saying more than that, okay? And then you make a real strong hamotzi. Our hamotzi is is like this: <laughs> Eloike. I'm doing the short version, by the way. Oh, you have no idea how long this can go. On Tubishvat, it went that way like all night long. But, but, Eloke, no. Melech ha'elam ha Lechem, lifting the challis a little. Motzi lechem. You also raise it for Shemashem. When you say Shemashem, Boruha Hashem, you raise your challis. It's the halacha. You raise it on Shemashem. You can put it down again. Hamotzi lechem, Min haoretz. And then um, the bala cuts his own slice first. He cuts his own slice first, even though people are waiting to receive. The bala cuts his own slice first takes a little bite, and then continues cutting for the group. It's important that uh, to go around the table and make sure everyone's got a voice. There's a lot of people who grow up at Shabbos tables where they learned if they're some of the younger siblings, they learn to be real quiet. Because of uh, having uh, raised, having spoken up and being been exposed, and having siblings, you know, laugh at them or put them down or whatever, at at the Shabbos table, so you create an you create an environment your Shabbos table where every kid's got a voice there, and the kids are also the kids are also set up to to you know the environment of your house the culture of your house is Is everyone's got got everyone's got a voice? Everyone gets a chance to speak. Everyone's got a chance to share. Uh, We often do highlights of the week. Everyone shares highlights of their week. Um, We also here's another real big one: is to dance. You got to dance at your Shabbos table. So especially if you don't have guests. So you're probably thinking, if you did have guests, so we got to make our guests, you know, think this was just the greatest thing that ever happened. That we're going to get up and dance even. Uh, it's actually most of the dancing in our house happens when there's no guests, and when there's no guests, we just start dancing, and we really dance, and we even do we even do like the grapevine dance of. Uh, I mean, it's a little embarrassing that we do this, but but we actually go King Tut style, like this, holding hands and go, like this, and we literally like the whole family. I, mean, I have a pretty big family, Blaine and and we we're like da 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 da. Tada da 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 tada 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 Anyway, we do that one, and we start going faster and faster, so the little ones are starting to get really excited until, you know, whatever. And then, but a lot of dancing. Make sure your Shabbos table, just get up and dance. You know, you, you got to get your body moving, get everyone going at your Shabbos table, especially when it's just family, because then everyone can dance together. You know, the girls, the boys, and the whole family's going to dance together. That's very nice, at the Shabbos table. Okay, here's another thing. You... Whenever you wash, you have in mind that you may leave your Shabbos table and go hang out with neighbors, okay? You, I think a lot of you probably wash and think you're going to bench, you know, you're going to sit there until you bench. You, you actually have in mind when you wash that you might be going on a little journey together. And, and what you do is you, by the time, if you're really having a great Shabbos table, things are like really going slow. So by the time you're done with the soup, most families are done with their main course. And so at that point, you grab all your family, and you crash someone else's Shabbos table. <laughs> okay, we crash Shabbos tables, I mean, probably every Shabbos, unless, you know, after a while, the people we crash have learned to start crashing ours. So, and, you know, and they're often, like, coming, you know, we're just starting our main course, when most people are finishing, but whatever, they can sit there. And the crash Shabbos tables, because think about it, when you're having guests, like imagine having like neighbors over for like Shabbos meal. It'd be a bit of a hassle because they can make their own Shabbos meal. Make your own Shabbos meal. And they, and they, they can make their own Shabbos meal. You can make your own Shabbos meal, but, but you could also turn it into a little block party by having eaten your own Shabbos meals and then getting get, get together sometime during the meal you have in mind you're going to come back and bench. And uh, you can also leave, even if you forgot, you're allowed to go out and come back if, as long as someone's still in the meal. So if someone's still in the bread meal, you can actually use them as the anchor of the Suda and come back, even if you forgot to have it in mind, at the washing. But the other thing is, you can ask other people to crash your meal, too, and have surprise visitors come in during the Suda. And the last thing... Is having what the Chassidim call a bota, or the Litvishes call having a you know an Onik Shabbos, is is you can open things up after the meal, and you know have a little party afterwards with nuts and beer and popcorn and all that stuff, and uh, you know turn it into a little party. But anyway, the bottom line is Shabbos is a party, and it's super spiritual, and it's a super party, and it's also sing songs that aren't just in the book, sing songs that will have you closing your eyes. Your children should see you with your eyes closed singing away and, you know, going into DeVecas. You're not doing it to show them DeVecas. You're actually in DeVecas singing a song with your heart, you know, your heart reaching out into Hashem as you sing, and your kids see that. Now, I want to tell you that if you turn your house to be like that spiritual, you make your house that spiritual you would think that your kids would just be like rolling their eyes well they do and my kids roll their eyes too and my kids roll their eyes most of the time but you know what they say any kid who grows up with their parents pushing them around to eat whole wheat what do those kids wind up eating by the time they're 25 30 they're eating whole wheat yeah so if you make your house a house that's just a place of spirituality, even if your kids are rolling their eyes, check them out when they're older. Watch what happens when they're older. It's really something amazing. And just recently, my son, my 22-year-old son, said to me, like, even though you've made me, you've, like, driven me crazy for 22 years with your Shabbos table and, like, long speeches about your latest idea of kiddish. Of what kiddish really means, before you make kiddish, which means we're all just sitting there like passing out, while you're pontificating about what kiddish really means. And he said that even though you made me crazy, I just took my friends out camping and we were staring at the stars and the campfire and and we were really there all night. And he says they, they just I spoke for three hours giving over the torahs I heard at your Shabbos table, at our Shabbos table growing up. Like, I, I couldn't help it. I was just g- giving over those Torahs to all these yeshivish kids who never, never, ever had such a, you know, they've never heard Torahs like that before. And it all came, like all those years that you drove me crazy, they all came back to me. All that Torah came back. And, and it was amazing to hear that from him and to know that all the eye-rolling turned out to be, uh, you know, worthwhile worthwhile in the end, you know, it really, it really paid off, I'd like to open it up a little bit to questions about making the Shabbos table great, so I'd like uh, any, any questions, yes ma'am, Uh huh. So if you're if you're turning on a bunch of people to Shabbos, so you you can let them know the restrictions you'll be doing, uh-huh. but you don't really place anything on them. Okay. Yeah, that that would just be awkward. You can tell that. them this is what I'll be up to, so you'll understand in advance why, uh-huh. you know, I won't be using electricity and I'm gonna my candles are gonna be lit before Shabbos comes in. Oh, you know, would well, that be fabulous? But it's in the hotel. okay, great. But you know you can you can just tell tell them what you'll be doing, uh-huh. and for, for however much they'd like to join in, they can. Yeah, whatever they want to join in on. Speaking of which, which uh, probably talks is project is part. We should probably talk a little bit about Kirv at the Shabbos table. So I'd like to share with you a little Hilchus Kirv at the Shabbos table. It's pretty important. Um, goes like this. Number one, if anyone's going to be driving to your Shabbos table. Your Shabbos table has to be the kind of table that's inspiring enough that this person could, after enough of these Shabbos, become Shomer Shabbos. So it has to be a table that's inspiring enough. Now, that's not enough to invite someone who's going to drive on Shabbos. This is just the first prerequisite, is your Shabbos table is enough of a turn-on to Shabbos that we can now go into the other rules regarding Shabbos tables. So the next thing you need to know is that you have to invite them to come over before Shabbos. They're not going to come over before Shabbos, especially in the winter. Okay? That's just not going to happen. They're not going to show up before Shabbos, but you have to tell them that I'd really appreciate it if you could get there by five. You know, You've got to tell them to get there. You have to tell them that we're starting before, before sundown, before Shkia and and they'll say to you, "Oh, well, okay, but I only get off work at 5 and but I might be able to get there by 6." And but you've done your duty basically, and you'll say, "Whenever you come, you know, you're not we're not going to lock you out, you know, but you're invited for 5." The other thing is you have to tell them that they're invited to sleep over. They're invited to sleep over. And you can't invite them knowing they're going to drive out, even though you know they're going to drive out, but you have to offer them uh, that they can actually stay there for Shabbos. So you let them know that they can also stay there for Shabbos. When they are picking up to drive out, you offer again that they should stay, which of course, they're not going to stay, but you've you got to offer that, and, and that's basically how it works. I had a very interesting situation. I was, I was teaching. My wife and I were young rabbi and Rebison, and we were teaching at UCLA. And so every Shabbos, we had people driving in for Shabbos, and I had to do this every week, except we had this interesting thing. We had a stink bug guest show up at our table and ruin the ambiance. Once every three to four weeks, this person would show up. And ruin the ambience. Now, the whole idea is you have to have them coming regularly. But I couldn't have them coming regularly because what I first had to do every Friday morning, I would call this guy at work, and I'd say to him, what are you doing Shabbos night? And he would say either he's coming to me or he's going to someone else. Or he's going out of town. I don't know what he was doing. And if he said he was coming to me, there were no Shabbos invites to the drivers. If he said he was coming to me because he would ruin the Shabbos table every time. And so the, um, and so that was one thing. Um, just a funny story is uh, one Jew came every week, and he just never, every single week he came. We did all the stuff you have to do to be able to you know, invite him to stay and everything. But after a while, we had so many people staying that there was no bed for him. And we were still inviting him to stay, even though there was nowhere for him to sleep. So... And as usual, he leaves the house, and he drives back from UCLA to go to, I think he lived in Burbank or something, like a 45-minute drive. And he was halfway over the mountains on the 405 highway going down to the valley when he gets to Mulholland Drive and just says, You know what? Darn it. I'm not driving anymore on Chavez. Pulls off Mulholland, gets back on the highway, and drives right back to our house. We're already at dessert. You know, we've been kind of hanging out. Eating, you know, we're after, I think we're after benching. But the whole gang's still there singing and stuff. He comes, in, he comes barging in the door, takes his car keys, and he says, I've had enough of this. I'm never driving on Chavez again. And he throws his keys across our entire house. And they go banging into the wall on the other side of the house. And he's like, I'm staying. And my wife and I look at each other and we're like, uh-oh. We don't have anywhere for this guy to sleep. And uh anyway, but we, we got one of the other guests to sleep on the couch and we gave him a bed. And and that was it. It's true. He never I next thing I knew he was he was in Israel and I don't think he ever left Israel. Like after that. He moved up north. I don't know. I don't know what happened to the guy. Yeah, the other thing is, uh the other thing is one nice thing on Shabbos is, Shabbos night, when your guests come over, you can, uh, you can, when you're leaving for shul, you can actually tell them, this is great, you tell them, this is a trick, <laughs> a little bit of a dirty trick, but you tell them, like, we don't carry anything on Shabbos, you know, like, I don't have my wallet, I don't have my ID, I don't have, like, it, it's called muxa, and we don't carry that stuff on Shabbos. Uh, maybe you'd like to put your muxa in this bag, and I'll just put it up on this hook, and it'll be here for you. And he was like, all right. He said, when do I get it back? And I'm like, after Shabbos. He's like, but I'm not going to be here tomorrow. And I'm like, okay, but you know, this kind of opens it up for a third meal invitation. And, and I'm in Jerusalem anyway. In Jerusalem, you don't have the driving problem. None of these guys are driving. So, so, but next thing you know, the guy's over for Shal Shudah's. So it comes for third meal, and of course we stretch third meal out. I, I deal with, uh, I'm a very spiritual person, and the more spiritual you are, the more depressed you get Saturday night. <laughs> Saturday night's an extremely depressing time. Anyone anyway, here, raise your hand if Chavez, Motsi Shabbos is a little rough. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You guys know, yeah, you'll understand. So it's really rough for some of us, and uh, it's funny how much I crave events, Mozi Shabbos. You know, I I actually, I'm getting back. I've been gone for two, I'll be gone for two weeks. I'm getting back Friday this week. So, Motsi Shabbos, I mean, I haven't seen my family in two weeks. But Motsi Shabbos is so down for me that I've already booked two events that I'm speaking at. Motsi Shabbos. And, uh, but it was really dumb because I shouldn't have stacked them because they're kind of too close together. The lady said we could do the following week which would have been perfect because then I got two Motsi Shabbos covered. But it's funny, people call me to hire me for Motsi Shabbos. So, you know, hi, can you play a Moko or can you speak at our, sh- whatever, our Motsi Shabbos? So they're like, what do you charge? So I'm like, I'm like, $500. And they're like, can you do it any cheaper? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, well, could you, how much? And I'm like, I could do 400 And they're like, could you do cheaper than $400? i am like, all right. <laughs> they're like, and I'm like, I guess I could do 300 And they're like, our budget's not really at $300. And I'm like, $200 would work. You know? <laughs> and they're like, you know, I'm really embarrassed to tell you. It's like Avram Avino and Hashem over Stadium here. And they're like, he's like, I'm really embarrassed to say this, but like, you know, we don't have $200. And I'm like, anyway, eventually we get to the point where I'm paying him $200. <laughs> to speak Motsi Shabbos, but I'll I'll do anything to stay distracted Motsi Shabbos. So in the summer, what I've discovered, because Motsi Shabbos is a little shorter, is what I've discovered is you can actually get rid of Motsi Shabbos. So I actually figured out a plan how to eradicate Motsi Shabbos. And the way you get rid of Motsi Shabbos is you you invite a lot of open house, like big open house third meal, and you make third meal like really long. You have your own minion, because you've got a lot of people there, so you don't need to worry about catching minion. And you make third meal, like two, three hours long. And then you go up to daven, wherever you go. And then, and then after davening, you have to learn how to play guitar for this, but you play a havdalah concert for two hours. <laughs> so we usually get back from davening around 10, and then we do a havdalah concert till midnight. Now, at that point, it's time to put the kids to bed truth is time to put yourself in bed. So, so anyway, that was my trick, how to get rid of, uh, get rid of that, get rid of uh, Motsu Shabbos. And, and then obviously Malaba Malka is the key to that. We stopped doing that. We stopped having guests all together. My kids are, my kids are ready to kill me with these open third meals. I mean, they, they just can't take it. And, uh, and the truth is I'm, I'm in the middle of my chillant psychosis, you know, and, and all of a sudden I have all these guests, and I'm just like, it's like, keep your hands and feet away from my mouth. So I, I, I don't, I, we're not having that many guests anymore at third meal. We just have a big open house. Um, what else can I tell you about fun? It's probably overtime already. Uh, anyone else have a question? Okay. Gentlemen, no question? It's all the ladies. Two. Yeah. Um, I have an irreligious niece and nephew. Yeah. My became religious many years ago. Yeah. Yeah. A, like a with, niece, and niece and nephew, non observant. Yeah, I'd love to like them for Shabbos, they, always define, they never, I, I don't, how, is there a special trick to getting people to uh, uh, the, Here's the trick how to get people to your Shabbos table. Yeah, yeah. The so, the trick how to get people what, what time, not very interested in your Shabbos table. I I got it, I got it. So. So what would be a trick? I mean, obviously, it's not a trick, but you you have to incentivize them. So you know what you do? Have you ever asked them to come? Well, That would be the first step. (laughs) I wasn't exactly expecting that answer. Um, Okay, so let's start with inviting them for Shabbos. Now, when they get to the Shabbos table... As long as you don't have a bunch of little kids there. Ask them a bunch of questions. Ask them a ton of of questions about themselves. People love talking about themselves. And they'll feel so supported and like they actually got to like vent and talk out their lives and stuff at your Shabbos table. They'll probably keep coming because it's a safe place for them. So everyone's, all these millennials are looking for their safe space. So make your Shabbos table a safe space. Just invite them. them Call them and say... No incentive just call them and invite them yeah and tell them it's re- tell them it's really important to you yeah so we gave the men last question you should light your candles them? and then pass out for three hours <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's up to you I would definitely take a walk to the clayland. Okay. Um, so, so that's what my girls do My girls go to the coast But the, um, my wife, what she does is uh, she, After the long candlelighting lighting and everything If she's absolutely exhausted, she goes to sleep um, But otherwise, she goes to friends' houses And very spiritual friends' houses And they powwow over there I don't know what they do exactly But these are spiritual people They spend time together and she comes back supercharged for the meal. So I would suggest that. I would suggest uh, going over to one of your more spiritual neighbors. Everyone's got a neighbor from California. You know Find that one who's burning you know lavender oil or something. and uh, you know, go hang out with her for a little while. Yeah, do a little meditation or something. Okay, everybody, I think we're over time. Um, Anyway, may we all be blessed to have wonderful Shabbos tables that are magnets for the Jewish people. Shalom. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.